Good evening. Welcome. These guys are like perching in the little like 20 minutes left of sunshine by the window. <laughs> um, but tonight is our, our last evening uh, looking at priestliness, um, although I don't think we will ever really move on from this theme. Um, you know, like Greg shared this morning, um, from next week onwards, we're going to be looking at the big picture um, or the age to come, looking at what God's eternal purpose is for us as his body. Um, and just as I've been thinking about this, you know, priestliness and his eternal purpose actually can't be separated, eh? You know, in fact, some of these scriptures that we've been looking at, even um, about three weeks ago when we were looking at um, the sons of Zadok, these priests who would come into the inner place and minister to God face to face. It was in a temple that actually has never been built before. It's, it's not Solomon's temple. It's actually, a, um, it's actually a future temple. And so these sons of Zadok are a prophetic typology of what these, this, this priestly people are going to be doing in the future. So I'm not going to be a policy analyst for eternity I'm only here for a short stay on earth. Perhaps I might work in a job for maybe 20, 30 years if I'm, if I'm lucky, but then I'm transitioning to what my full-time eternal job is going to be, and it's not going to be as a policy analyst. I actually don't see that anywhere in the Bible at all, but it does prophesy about, about the church being priests. You know, it talks about Jesus and, and says that he was without mother, without father, without genealogy. And because he was, he's able to be a priest perpetually, means forever, you know. And so we're to be these priests, um, you know, it says without beginning of days or without end of life. These people without father, without mother, without genealogy, because we're of an eternal lineage, the lineage of the Spirit. And so everything that we've been looking about um, over the last month or two months in terms of priestliness is so vitally relevant to what we're going to be moving into, even though the topic is technically different. Um, so as you're, as you're the, um, you know, part of the discussions over the next number of weeks, um, you know, just be listening for the themes that you've heard in these Sunday evenings and how they connect to what God's uh, eternal purpose is for the church. Sweet as? All right, so so today we've got our last session. I think it's going to be a good one. Um, I've said to Cass that, that the theme is, once again, it's priestliness, but we're going to be looking at the blood of the Lamb. And blood played a particularly important role in priestliness. If you read the Old Testament, particularly Leviticus, it was actually a pretty bloody affair, pretty gory, a lot of slaughter, a lot of animal sacrifice. And so it can be so easy to think that oh, Leviticus is not a book for today. Actually, it is a book for today because the typologies and shadows in it speak about an eternal reality and this, this blood of Christ that's to cleanse us, but is also to transform us. You know, we, we, I feel like in the, in the modern day church, we're so used to looking about the blood that covers but actually we see through the scriptures and the typologies here in, in the Bible that yes, the blood is to cover us, but, but there's, a, there's a bigger purpose for what the blood is, is supposed to achieve. You know, thinking about this throughout the week, I was like, man, blood was never supposed to be, as if, in the first place, something that was on the outside. 
if blood's on the outside, there's potentially physically an issue, you know? Blood is, was always supposed to be something that was on the inside. And so it's not just about a blood that covers. We're going to be talking tonight about blood transfusion, where there's an infusion of his very life, his very nature, his very spirit into our innermost being, so that we're covered, but we're also infused with his very life. And those two things, not, it's not one or the other, it's both, play such a vital role in us living out of this eternal, dynamic, spiritual life that's in Christ. So that's got what we're going to be diving into this evening. Cool. All right, so first scripture, if you've got your Bibles, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. I'll just read verse 11. You can have a read of the rest of the chapter uh, when you get home. But it says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. Should I read it one more time? For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Remember that life is in the blood and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. All right. Now you can flick to uh, John chapter 6. Verses 52 to 58. Now, once again, there's a lot of context here that you can go away and read, but we'll just pull out the key points and then we'll unpack it. 52. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not, of the fa- uh, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Amen. All right, stick your finger in that chapter as we're going to come back to it. I've got one more verse to read. Hebrews chapter 9. Verses 11 to 14. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. 
For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So those are our three key scriptures for the evening. What I'm keen for us to talk about is what was what is this blood that's referred to? There was obviously a physical blood that we saw in the old covenant, but what is this blood of Christ that we're to eat and drink of? What is this blood that cleanses our conscience from dead works and has us serving the living God? Guys, it'd be awesome to to hear from you. What is this blood? What is this blood that he's talking about? What does it what does it represent? Everyone's pretending like they haven't read the verses or didn't know what we're talking about tonight. I'd take a a punt at life, his life, (laughs) because the life is in the blood. Um, It's just the, the clarity of the fact that we can't, we're not designed to live from an earthly, fleshly life. We're designed to live from his life in us. And until that life is the thing that is our our being, it's in the centre of us, he is in the centre of us, and his life is flowing out, then, then we're not in the place that we were designed to be right from the start. You know, I love the fact that, you know, just after that thing in Leviticus, it goes on and says no one's allowed to drink blood. Yeah, and so when you... you in in those terms, if if you were used to hearing that, you're not allowed to drink blood. And then you see, you hear the words of Jesus saying, you know, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Yeah. There you've got exactly the thing that comes, that has to come and and push against human understanding. Yeah. Because if... If if that thing doesn't fall down, and if if our understanding or our, but I know that the word of God says this, so this must be wrong. He must be wrong. I'm rejecting what he's saying. If that doesn't fall, then we can actually never come into the position of receiving his life. Interesting that um, when he comes and says something like that, it's such a statement that's loaded with so much potential potential for life and potential for offence, you know, because they heard it and they had a mindset, they already knew the scriptures really well, but they didn't know the one of the scriptures, unfortunately. Um, you know, for me, just as I've been chewing over this, and it's such a massive topic, it's, it's awesome, um, I go, man, he, he uses these physical examples to help us understand a spiritual reality. He's not talking about blood, and they heard blood, they just heard they heard through the, the earthly understanding. And he's going, I'm talking about something which is so much greater and so much beyond that unless you can hear what I'm saying, you're not going to get it because it's, I'm saying this, but it's not about blood. I'm saying you need to be born again, but I'm not talking about your mother's womb. And, and, and the more I see it, the more I go, man, this physical stuff just isn't it. It's not what he's trying to bring us into 
but he's so good that he takes things that are, um, it's like you're giving someone directions and you go, you know, the bakery on the corner. You know what I mean? You're saying, he's saying things that we know. So he's talking to a builder, obviously, and he says, the bakery on the corner. <laughs> and <laughs> and he, <laughs> he got my attention. I know exactly where you mean. <laughs> the one with those pies. And, and so he uses points of reference that are things that we understand because he knows that we have understanding to the farmer he's speaking in terms of seed, to the fisherman he's speaking in terms of throwing out a net and in terms of life, he says, you understand that life is in the blood. That's not the life that I'm talking about. You know, and, and, in, and around that, he says, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness. So he's talking about bread that literally came from heaven. And that wasn't enough. That wasn't the thing. Not only is it not about bread, not about clothing, not about blood. It's not even about heavenly manifestation of bread that you physically eat it's even greater than that and and he's he's signposting it as explaining it the best that you can and you actually have no capacity to understand it unless the holy spirit goes bang (laughs) and that's what it says here in hebrews eh? it says how much more will the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit Offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve a living God. Hey, you know, and so it was never the physical blood; it was always a foreshadow of the eternal Spirit that would do an internal work. Hey, you know, beyond any physical thing. I think the challenge is also to be aware of what covenant you're living under. And so, in an old covenant, that's how they lived. It was right because that was under that covenant. But as we know, Jesus came and fulfilled that covenant and said it's a brand new day. Now you're living under this covenant, which is a different covenant, but it's one and the same thing. But it's a spiritual covenant. And so that's what the guys are saying, is that if we can't, we're under that covenant. So if we're struggling to hear spiritually, how can we partake of the spiritual food and the spiritual drink? We will actually hear as they heard as Sandra's saying, would be against because we don't understand the covenant we're under and we don't know what's in that covenant because it says you know, in Hebrews 9, for this reason he is the mediator of a new covenant. And so it has a completely different reality to it even though it's the fulfilment of this covenant. And so that's just so much more power, you know. Um, Absolutely, um, one of the things that's sort of just run through my mind in, in studying this and just looking into it is is this um, the earthly sanctuary, and maybe this is another way of looking at it, is that the that Moses was instructed with great intricacy and all these laws and things about this temple or the what do we call it the 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 tent the tabernacle, and given all of these instructions, and this became the big thing. And I think we talked about this the other week, where this became the big thing, and it became forgotten that this wasn't really the big thing. You know, like it was a massive deal, you know. There was, there was lots going on, and this was the, the way that atonement was made, but not a, 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 a perpetual atonement. You know, it was something that had to keep being done. But, you know, what we read here is that this is 
the shadow of a, of a heavenly reality. So all of these things where they've got these, these tapestries and these ornate things and the, the, the laver and the, the curtains and all the ritual washings and all these things, and this is why we have this high priest who's not of that order because he was, they had the Levitical priesthood and so there was this earthly example of a heavenly reality. And so this was all according to the order of this, this priesthood where all these things were done, but it was only a shadow of the true reality. Something that you can't even see, can't even touch, have no capacity to enter into physically. And Christ, who is the true priest of this true heavenly reality, comes and makes an offering once and takes care of everything forever. But it's not under this earthly covenant. It's above it because it was promised before the promise was given. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome, mate. It's also how everything points to a greater reality. Yeah. So everything in the physical is a means to a much greater end. Yeah. And our issue is we get stuck in the means and make the means the end yeah. rather than seeing it as pointing to something far greater, which, like we've looked at, men tapped into even though they were in a other covenant, they actually still were able to operate under a new covenant, which is amazing because the spirit has always been in place from the beginning. So God's heart has always been the spiritual reality, even though he put this other physical law in place. We started by faith. And because we didn't know how to handle faith, we actually didn't know how to walk in freedom of faith. He had to put a law in place to help us so we didn't go all over the place. And then Jesus came and then reintroduced and reestablished the thing that the Father had started from the beginning called faith. You know, So there was no law. It was Abraham lived by faith. He lived from his fellowship, his relationship with the Father, and that what governed him. Then we went astray. So God went, oh, I need to help these guys. Let's put a physical law in place to bring them back. Right, now the son has come. We removed the tutor. And now you put the sun in place and now you live by faith again. So the, you know, the faith was covered for 450 years. But that was never his intent. That was just a means towards something far greater. Yet men and women could tap into that even though that was in place. Because from the beginning it's been the Spirit. And you can see even God's goodness in, in putting a law in place, right? You know, like it wasn't like that it was this big evil thing. In any family, if things are going awry... Sometimes you do need to create a bit of structure and boundaries until the time that we hear and hear, what does it say? Imposed until a time of reformation, you know? Imposed until a time where what's in here is strong enough to govern you and have you doing innately the very thing that the law was always supposed to point you to, you know? And I think that's why it's so important to that they would submit to the law because actually it was put in place for their benefit, eh, you know, but for a greater purpose than just legalistic rule-keeping, you know. And, and that's man's natural state, isn't it? So we did what we would always do without the Spirit. We took the letter of it and followed the letter of it because we were found spiritually dead. And, and that's really the result of the fall, isn't it? Spiritual separation from God. And God who is spirit and who is always speaking the spirit reality, we had no 
real connection. And so he puts these things in place. And, you know, I can just see there's all these things firing off as we're talking with these guys that that stepped into and, and called on the name of the Lord and walked in fellowship and something is awakened within them as a result of this proximity or this fellowship with him, which enables them to live for a reality which is greater than what it is that they would have lived if they had just been following the laws and commandments that were given. Because the law can only go so far at motivating you, eh? Yeah, you know. Right. But then when you tap into something, you see the life behind the law, all of a sudden you're not just aiming for C minus anymore, eh? You know, what where the law where the law stops and ends, you've you've made it, you know? All of a sudden you you how how can I how can I excel beyond you know, beyond what the commandment and expectation is, you know? Well it's a different power source, isn't it? Because without without Christ in us, we are still um Tapping from the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so so your the the basic um, premise and operating system is that if I have knowledge, I'll come into life of that tree. Yeah. So I've just got to find knowledge, and I've got to do this, 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 and this, and I will come into life. Yeah. And and that that's the thing that is the great deceiver, because there's a knowledge of good. And a knowledge of evil, but none of it has life. It has no. That's why the the tree of life was not available to them, because the tree of life is Christ, and life outside of Christ is not what we're designed yeah. for. You know. Yeah. All right. Shall we have a look at uh, John six? Um, So verse 53 says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. Pretty bold, pretty big statement right there, you know, pretty black and white, a little bit edgy, you know. Mm. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, it doesn't say you have limited or a little bit of life or you're, you're partially there but not quite. It says you have no life in yourself. Why is it so important to eat the flesh and drink the blood of, of Christ himself? And what, what does that mean? Um, I was just thinking about how, um, you know, that saying you are what you eat, right? <laughs> Pies. <laughs> I'm a pie. <laughs> but to be honest, like Chris is probably the, the only example on the face of this earth that I know that does not reflect that saying, you know. <laughs> You're telling me that you have a pie every day <laughs> and, and maintains this kind of physique. You know? And a big, big cake guy as well. Yeah. <laughs> For those who don't know, Chris and Kirk have a cake Instagram. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Taking one for the team. <laughs> it's so it's so true that you know we said this this morning that the tree is going to produce after its kind. That's right. You know that that you know that you are what you eat or what it is that you are in is going to going to come out. You know, so I'm like he's he's inviting us into this, and again, it's a it's a heavenly reality. He's not literally saying this. You know, there's this other passage in. In First uh, Corinthians that I was reading, and it says, um, "For I received 
from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that night that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me it's not literally his body you know what I mean and that, that you know we've Heard people say that. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And he's again speaking of this reality. He's not saying this blood is literally my blood. He's saying this is this is a proclamation of what it is that you're in, the invitation to a new covenant. Remember what it is that you're found in and what what this is all about. Which just tells you you need to be born of power. You need to be born of a spiritual power and get resurrected from death to life, not just pray a prayer and nothing happen. Because that could be the fact that you're just still fleshly. So flesh can't partake of spirit. Only spirit can partake of spirit. So flesh is born of flesh and spirit is born of spirit. So if we're trying to enter into life through the flesh, you can't enter into spiritual life through flesh. And I was just thinking about the, the, the typology and the connection between the actual killing of an animal couldn't cleanse you from your sin because it's a flesh sacrifice to a spiritual problem. Yeah, Hence, you, they couldn't keep the actual Ten Commandments because they were fleshly trying to keep a spiritual commandment Okay, because the law was spiritual. So it's impossible. And so God shows us through all this, it's impossible for man that makes you realize you've got to get on your face and find spiritual repentance, not I'm sorry for my life. I'm a broken man who knows spiritually his need or her need for a spiritual life because the covenant they couldn't keep and the blood of the bull didn't cleanse them. So Christ comes along, and this is why you and I can't keep the commandments if we're trying to keep them through the flesh. You can't love like God, another human, if you're attempting to love in your flesh, your human love. It's impossible. So you have to have the blood, the spiritual blood, Christ in you. You need his spiritual body in you to be able to love another human being because it's not you loving them, it's Christ in you. So you eat just like you eat natural food. And after a natural eating, you feel full, correct? You've got energy, life. If you're thirsty, you drink. That's what it's like in the spirit. So when you partake in the spirit, you feel full. Now in the natural, you get hungry again, yeah? In the spiritual, you can actually get, you're hungry and full all at the same time and overflowing. So spiritually, God doesn't want us running out at all. He wants us living in the overflow, so the more I'm partaking in the spirit because I'm a worshipper who's died, lost my life, everything in the flesh lost, meaning my will, I've been born again in the power of the resurrection that rose Jesus from the grave. I'm now a spiritual man. 
who now has a hunger and a thirst for spiritual food and drink. And because of the encounter, I know where to get that. The one who rose me from the grave is the one I go to. And he's got pies on offer all the time. Multiple flavors all the time. And so I just partake and partake and partake. And because I'm now of the spirit, the spirit has no limit. So it's not going to be a limited amount. It's just how much do you want? So I can continue to consume, but like in the physical where you would throw up, in him you don't. It goes in and it forms life in you. And so now you're able to keep the two commandments that the law and the other commandments all hang on. I'm now fulfilling because of my knowledge of God, which is 1 John 2 verse 3. But it's because I got born of spirit. And that's not just praying a prayer. Yeah, It's not just praying a prayer and then we go, believe him by faith, I'm now born again. It's an encounter where you get born of the spirit. And you know you're born of the spirit. Because you now have spiritual hunger and thirst that you never had the day before. Your inner realm has been altered, shifted. Something's ha- Why do I have a hunger and a thirst for something I didn't before I had an encounter? And so now, like a baby, you go looking. So just like a baby comes out of its mother and goes straight on the breast, it's looking for a brand new food source, and it knows it, correct? Does the baby get taught that? No. It knows it. Well, no, it gets taught maybe something how to suck, but it's my girls come out like, oh. <laughs> where is it? <laughs> you know, and it just and then it's like we had to go to the classes. You know, we are the ones having to be trained. It comes out knowing what to do because it's born of its kind. That's what it's like in the spirit. See, but see, these guys were all of the law of the flesh. They had not yet been born of the spirit because the spirit hadn't been poured out. Okay, so they're believing mentally. They're going, okay, I believe you're the Messiah because we've heard about you. We're seeing these signs and these wonders. So mentally I believe you're the Messiah, but I'm not yet born of the Spirit. So when you speak of the Spirit, now I don't know if you are the Messiah. Would the Messiah speak like that? Because the Messiah wouldn't obviously counteract himself, would he? No, he never does. You just don't know the Messiah the way you need to know the Messiah. You only know because it's been written down. You need to know him. Because he said, the words I speak are spirit and life. The flesh will profit you nothing. So trying to understand even what I've just said in your mind is not the way of the spirit. You have to hear it in your heart, which is the place of understanding. Then the Spirit needs to renew your mind to bring you into the reality of what was said. See, that's reverse engineering. The world goes, I'm trying to understand what Greg is saying in my mind and make sense of it, yeah? So I can get there. you're, You're thinking logically. What tree is that from? The knowledge of good and evil. Okay? You need to hear by revelation. So when you hear by revelation, you go yes and amen to that spiritual word that was said. I'm in agreement with that. Well, other people are like, 
eat his flesh, drink his blood? Is he a cannibal or something? What's he talking? And this is what's going on right here. But these people are disciples. Because as you track this through, it says, who can listen to this? Many of his disciples followed him no more. Then Jesus turned to his 12 and went, are you going as well? See the challenge? They're disciples who walked with him no more. Which means we can be disciples who walk with him no more. Because we can't hear the spirit, the spiritual word. We're hearing it through a filter game. Nah, nah, no way. So what we're going to look at in the next two and a half months, if we don't hear this in the spirit, your mind will hurt. Your mind's not big enough to contain what we're going to say. Because it's going to be outside of your mind if you haven't got revelation. Okay? It's too big for your mind to grasp. If your mind can grab God, it's not God. Until the Spirit renews your mind. My human mind cannot grasp the magnitude of the created one. But my spirit can. That's why I have the spirit, because the spirit has no limit. Then the spirit renews my mind. Now I'm dangerous. Now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than I ask, think, or imagine, according to what? The power living in me. He's capable of doing all things, but now I come into an alignment and agreement with what he's capable of because of the power living in me. So it's all in accordance to the power living in us to what we ask, think, or imagine. See the connection? So that's of the spirit, not of the flesh. I um, I just want to go back to that bit when you're talking about the disciples turning away because that to me is so, so awesome because sometimes when I, when I hear, hear in the spirit, I'm like, what does that even look like? And then I, I see that Sometimes I get it without knowing it, if you know what I mean. Can I say that? I get the gist or I'm like, oh yeah, I get it, or you're speaking my language. And the words can get in the way. Um, you know, sometimes Bella does this thing with her friends where she goes, uh-huh, mm-hmm, uh-huh, and she's doing this and they're not even saying any words and they're talking. And I'm like, uh-huh. Um, they're talking about me they're talking about me in their kind of gisty language that they get and this is what I see about Peter now Peter gets some stick Peter gets some stick right because of you know what happened and he was all bravado and what he declared and couldn't live out but but I just love this about Peter so Jesus has turned up and he's said this hard saying they're like this is a hard thing to get your head around you know which is what we do and they had much more of a concept of what was required in the law. They would have seen blood. They would seen the sacrifices, surely. They knew that there was a lot going on there. They were much more closely associated with death and dying in their culture. So, so they had a real concept of it, you know, not like, like we do. Um, and Jesus has just dropped this bomb on them, and they're like, this is a hard thing. And Peter even though he doesn't get it in his head, goes, I have come to believe that you're the Son of God. You have the words of eternal life. And we talked about this this morning, about, the, about believing. 
or maybe we didn't, but we, we should have. We meant to. <laughs> it was in there. <laughs> it's the same message every day. <laughs> Are you convincing yourself or something? <laughs> it was, um, I can't even remember what the passage was, but I knew that it hung on believing. <laughs> you say it confidently enough, it's true, right? <laughs> Just nod and agree. And, um, and so here's Peter who doesn't, hasn't come into the understanding of it, but he gets it. He's like, I've come to believe in my heart that you are who you say you are. Now, he doesn't even know this yet. He's going to deny and walk away because he isn't in the fullness of it. But he has received life from God. He's received something which recognizes it and latches onto it. And, and you know, in this, Jesus is the bridge between the Father and us. You know, he says, he says, as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. It's like he's going, I'm the one that knows how to connect to this eternal life. Now you need to connect to me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. And so what I love is that, that Peter's in this space. Sorry, I've got to let you talk in a minute. <laughs> um, as, as, um, as Peter's in the space and he, he hasn't got it all worked out, yet he still thinks Jesus is going to be king. But he goes, where else are we going to go? This thing that you're saying does my head in. It's offensive. But I know where life is. And, and I just see a guy that's like this. Like you are talking about before. He knows where the life is found. Where's all the pie? <laughs> why? Why, does, why is Peter able to say what he says? Because he's already had a revelation. From where? From the Father. So, so Jesus said to him previously, blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood hasn't revealed this right. to you, but my Father has so revealed this to you. So the Spirit yep. has revealed something to Peter yep. that hasn't been revealed to these other people. Yep. So the only reason Peter's staying and knows that you have the words to eternal life, that I have no understanding of what you've just said, is because I do have something. Yep. I've been given something... I didn't find it, learn it, yeah. study it. I was shown it by the Father. You are the Son of God. Yeah. So because you are the Son of God, I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. Yeah. But what I do know is you're the Son of God. Yeah. So I'm going to stay with you because in time, the Spirit who revealed this to me that you're the Messiah will also reveal your words. Yeah. The other guys never had that. This is the power of revelation of the blood that brings revelation. The revelations, everything's in the blood. Life is in the blood. Revelation is in the blood. It's one and the same thing. It's just Jesus Christ, his life. Yeah. So for there to be a covenant, there needed to be blood. So the first covenant was based on blood, the blood of an animal. So the second covenant is also based on blood. It's the blood of Christ, but it's an eternal blood which doesn't just heal us and cleanse us of our sin and iniquity and our transgression. This covenant propels us into the fullness of this covenant between Christ and his church. This blood brings into the eternal realm, the church into the eternal realm to live from the eternal purpose while we're on earth. This blood opens up every promise that is yes and amen in the Christ. This blood is what seals you, marks you for now and the future and the age to come. This blood opens up the marriage covenant. This blood opens up the millennial reign. This blood opens up the new heaven and the new earth. This blood opens up love that you can love like God. So you can't have a covenant without blood. 
So God says, I spilt my blood for you at Calvary. What are you doing with our covenant? I will never break covenant with you. My blood was spilt. So then our response to covenant is what? See, that's the challenge, isn't it? The challenge isn't whether God loves us. Put that one to bed. He loves you. It's not the issue. He loves you. Seal that. The issue now becomes about the church understanding and comprehending in the spirit everything that is written before the foundation of the earth and the blood has brought it all to light. So it's the blood, I am the resurrection and the life. I am it. So if I'm living in you, my blood is bringing to light every life that's in me, every promise that's yes and amen that's in me based on a covenant. And we see that, and we looked at that about a year ago with the covenant between David and Jonathan. And they made a blood covenant. They would cut their hands, and then they would actually do that handshake because blood hits blood. It's a inseparable, unbreakable covenant. Covenant is not a contract. It's not a commitment. It's a thing that's never to be broken. He will never break covenant because the blood doesn't know how to. So my response is, I don't want to break covenant. I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to fulfill the commandment because I now can because I'm of the Spirit. The blood is in me. I love what Sam said. Old Greg, that blood got drained out of him. Then I had a blood transfusion. And a resurrected blood came into me that enables me to walk this out and walk in the manner in which Jesus walked. Not because I'm trying, because the life of the blood is in me. And I know where to find that blood and drink it. Hey, lady. Hey, lady. Do you know who stands before you? Why are you asking me about a bucket? Because you're not of the Spirit. See? I'm going to come to you and I'm going to ask you, if you knew who I was and what I'm about to do, you'd be asking me so many things. But you don't know who I am, but you have a knowledge about me because you've read it somewhere or someone told you. But see, she's like the other disciples in John 6 because she's yet to have a revelation of the Spirit because the Spirit hasn't been poured out, but she has information about him. So that information has got to get in her and become a living, revealed reality through the blood. This is how powerful this is. Jesus' talk to the disciples and to the people of his age was a declaration of war, and it was uh, replacing one covenant with another. And... um, even when he spoke to his disciples, um, yeah, Peter did have the revelation that Jesus was something special, but the other disciples didn't like it because he was speaking against the former covenant and something they'd known all their lives. Um, but Jesus was declaring war, and even when before he died, he 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 was more or less declaring that the old covenant is going to be wiped away. 
and um, and that uh, the temple was going to be wiped away, so there'll be no more of the old covenant happening at all. He said, and and so I see, I can see why people turned against him, you know, and and didn't believe him was because they didn't, they had not the revelation at that stage. And that can be the same today, can't it? It can be exactly the same today because what he says is outside of our current mindset. And that's what Terry's saying is he spoke outside of their mindset because their mindset was an old covenant right in the day. But did he not say it's a new day? This is a new covenant. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I tell you, love your enemy. Now, there's no way you can go from that covenant to that covenant without spiritual power. It's there to show you you can't keep it. Just like the Ten Commandments were there to show you you can't keep it. Why do you think they always wandered off? They couldn't do what they were asked. Well, it's no different for us. You can't actually keep the the Two Commandments in your own strength. You have to die before you can even keep it. You can't keep a spiritual commandment out of you if you're still the source and strength of your life. You will try. You will wear yourself out. And then you'll get very upset with the people, won't you? Because you can't love on their behavior. For a period you can, depending on the behavior. But someone comes up and nicks you, beats you up, and he says, love your enemy. Well, I had different plans. (laughs) They're called retaliation and revenge. They were going to end up in the ground somewhere. Uh, you no, know, that's not quite what I had in mind. Actually, yeah, it was know, sort what, of like this what ability. Spirit you're all yeah, because remember, you're, you're dead. That's the old man. That's how your old man would have lived. No, that's still you're still living from a soul realm. So this reality of being able to keep the word, the commandment. Because you know him. You know the blood and the life of the blood which is operating in you. So he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, where do you not have life? He says, in you. He's telling you where there is no life. And this is the challenge. And so we can be just like the Israelites. Don't think we're not. All they were were people that lived from flesh or spirit. There were some Israelites that came into it by the Spirit and there were ones predestined not to. Isaiah said, these guys will never get it and they were the ones that crucified him. They were Israelites of the flesh, not of the commonwealth of the Spirit. And it was the way it was planned. And so we are Gentiles of the Spirit if we've received the Spirit to understand the things of the Spirit, everything, this kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. So every food and drink, it's of the Spirit. It's not of the natural. You don't find it here. But as Chris, as we've been saying, God uses natural water. Because if he goes and talks about another word completely for drinking, and we've got no reference for it, we're like, what? Why do you think he had to come in the form of a physical reality? Because no one's seen God. You have to hear God. So he comes to help us. He stands in front of us, but he's still the unseen spiritual one. So just because you could touch him doesn't mean you understand anything he said. 
and that's what we're looking at. But if you have revelation and you hear through revelation because it's been revealed, you go, I know what you're saying. Let me finish your sentence. Oneness. All through the blood. Um, just got a question. Because um, to not get a sore head <laughs> and for it to hurt, what would you guys say when someone comes into this environment um, to give them salav on their mind so their mind mind gets healed in that transaction because um, I remember having a picture of myself saying, uh, do you love me, don't you love me, do you love me, don't you love me, like you used to do with the daisy when you were wanting to fall in love. She doesn't love me. Obviously you ended up on she loves you. Yeah. <laughs> so what you do is you go pick another daisy and you play again and it doesn't 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 work and so spiritually what's some mind salav to to heal so heart to head with um you know because the the scripture that really got my mind expanded with as we talked about this that they were blinded for our benefit so so to honor a man who followed the instructions of god but knowing that they were blinded for our benefit and in this time it's I think it's phenomenal that we can articulate that we we know now and they 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 are going to be jealous you know we were cause them Gentiles were to cause them to be jealous what's the mind salav to help people get to this place and for me it's like a good father's going to go the sheep's away from the worldly mother we'll put it on the spiritual mother and so it can grow, and then we'll take it off the mother and then get it into the field to eat grass. Like, Cool, good question. Mine salve, I think, was what I was hearing. Salve, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's such a good question, Jeremy. I love that, and I love even just one of those words that you used in there was honour, and I think that's so important, and I, I feel like, when Jesus said, um, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another like I've loved you. And I always feel like the onus or the responsibility on is on those that say they're strong to lift up the weak. You know, that's like such a... Obviously, it comes as an instruction, but if you're truly strong, it's going to come as an instinct, I would say, because you are going to live according to what it is that's been revealed in you. Um, in terms of being able to uh, bring someone into the revelation, I'm not sure if you're asking this, but I'll ask, answer it like this. To bring someone into the revelation that the Father loves them, I don't think that anyone can. That's only something that he can do. But we can honor them and process and facilitate environments that are conducive to them learning that. You know what I mean? And so to... to um, strengthen the feeble knees to lift up our brother that maybe hasn't seen it. I had a conversation with someone this week. I'll just say this and then I'll, I'll leave it for someone else. I had a conversation with someone this week and they said, oh, you know, what's the what's the ticket? What's the key? Um, because um, this person's close to me and they said, oh, it sounds like when you're on the panel that 
you know, you've got it all together or you've you've done something that makes it, you know what I mean? And I said, oh, just let, let me stop you right there. <laughs> I actually haven't done done anything. But I said, I, I remember a moment where God turned up and I feel like he is the ability to, how do I even put words to it, to replicate himself. I hear from God because he spoke to me. You get what I mean? I, I didn't pray extra hard and study extra hard and, and now he speaks. He spoke to me and now I can hear because his speaking creates the capacity to hear him. If you know what I mean, that's, that's kind of the words that I put to it. Yeah, so it comes from him and I feel like we that are the ambassadors of him need to do what he would do in that situation. You know I can talk. Um, Firstly, you need to know the operating system of the Father before you can help anybody else. So you need to know that because otherwise it's the blind leading the blind. Okay, So if you're in that and you know the operating system of the Father because you've learnt it via the Spirit, then you know where the other person is at because you know they're trying to understand in the mind. So you reason with the person to where they're at in their mind. You explain to them that understanding in the mind isn't the operating system of the kingdom of God. So Paul reasoned in Acts with all the philosophers because he knew he couldn't speak to the Spirit to them because they weren't going to hear the Spirit because they didn't have the Spirit. So you meet people where they're at. So you reason from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because that's the operating system they're operating from. So you try and find oneness, but it's not of the spirit, it's of the flesh because reason is of the flesh. If you can hear what I'm saying, there's reason and logic of the spirit and there's reason and logic in the flesh. So you teach them, you explain to them, trying to understand what you're hearing through the mind is counter-opposite and going to get you nowhere. What Chris is saying is, now I can't change you. I can't change you doing that. You have to repent and recognize and acknowledge you're trying to enter in through the mind. All I can do is point out the way in which you're going wrong. It's all I can do and do that in love. And we've done that countless times and yet I still people, I say that and I watch people understanding me in their mind. It, you can't stop you understanding in the mind. That is your natural default setting because that's flesh still. So you have to be trumped by the spirit, don't you? Just like you can't keep the commandment in the flesh, you can't stop the natural mode of being. Deny it. Deny it. I'm not going to hear. I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to understand the mind. Bing, too late, gone. It's innate. It's the innate mode of being from being a human. That's why the world understanding the mind. The mind is power. So you have to explain and then pray like mad that the person would be apprehended and recognize, acknowledge turn to receive the brand new operating system. It's all you can do. 
And then you can go to your brother and sister if you see them still trying to learn and come into this understanding through the mind. Jesus makes it very clear. He says, understanding is in the heart. Go read Matthew, Luke, all the Gospels. He specifically tells you where understanding is. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart. It's the place of understanding. It's the place of life, not the mind. Okay? Now, the mind is important. But you need a renewed mind, but it's not where it starts. So really all it is, mate, is just explaining that to someone, just like I did. But you have to be of that spirit, otherwise you're going to be of the kind of both trying to learn in the mind, which is flesh educating flesh, and that's they love it. Flesh loves flesh and spirit loves spirit, but flesh and spirit are in opposition. So that's about loving on your brothers and sisters and loving them into that reality, even if they don't like you. Can you lay your life down for them and love them when they actually come back at you and walk away, but you'll never walk away from them? Because you know and you have a compassion for them because you can see them trying to enter into life, and they're never going to enter into life. So another year, another year, another year, 11 years, 20 years, and they're no different. But that posture has to be apprehended and broken off our lives. But it can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. So our role in that is to recognize. And it takes a while sometimes for us to recognize. We bang our head against the wall thinking this time will be the time I break through the wall. You need to break your head. (laughs) You need to fall on the rock and be broken into pieces from that operating system because it's getting you nowhere apart from frustration and spiritual death. So that's how you just have to share it the best way you can in English. Take people to the scriptures, show them the scriptures where Jesus said understanding starts in the heart. It's not the way to understand in the mind. The mind's important. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. No, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Your mind is third. There's a biblical order to everything. Why do you think the mind is third? Why do you think strength is last? What happens if you try to come in through strength, the mind, soul, heart? You're going back to front. See, that's the operating system of the world. I can know God without God. You're already going backwards. So your starting point is backwards. So he has to apprehend you. Hey, what are you doing? That way. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Okay. The other thing I would say um, that the Lord's just sort of reminded me of is that the, you know, in Hebrews, how it says, it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then it says the two things because he, um, he who comes to him believes that he is. And that he rewards those, what? Who seek him. Not who seek him for something or seek him for how to please him or any of that, just seek him. And it is very simple. It it comes into that, the, the cutting away of, the other things that we might be coming to him with. But you can still seek him through the mind. 
Absolutely. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, it's an operating system that has to be yeah. cut and severed so it doesn't yeah. operate. That's the challenge. You can hear all this, and if your operating system is still the mind, if the mind is the number one way you learn, you're never going to come to spiritual life. It's not the design. Do you understand? It's not the way of heaven. That's why when he speaks and he says to them, eat my flesh and drink my blood, they're anti-Christ. They're supposed to, aren't disciples supposed to walk with Christ? So why are they walking away? Because they're trying to enter into what he's saying through the mind. So we say this. This is the greatest deception I've heard. You get it here, and it drops nine inches there. It doesn't. It's a lie. It's all head people trying to come into the spirit through the head, waiting for something that has never happened. I've never met but one person that's on fire that way because it's not the way it happens. It's outside of our ability. Just like you can't keep the commandment, it's outside of your ability. If you can understand God in the mind first, <laughs> think about it. He's a tiny God. I love what um, Todd White says. People say to Todd White, mate, you're out of your mind. He says, no, I'm out of yours. <laughs> I love that. No, I'm, not, I'm out of your mind. Jesus was out of man's mind because the mind isn't the place. That's what the world honors, the mind. What you know gives you power. What gives you power gives you authority and you rule over. In God, it's knowledge of the Spirit which creates a heart of humility which has you serving at the bottom and lifting everyone else up. So it's a kingdom world world versus the kingdom of God. But you just have to explain it the best you can and then walk with a brother and then, you know, the word says rebuke and correct. Sam, you're still trying to enter in through the mind, buddy. See, it's a hearing of a spiritual kind, of a spiritual word that creates a spiritual sight. And then when I'm looking at, there's the pie shop. Go along, faith is the currency, grab the pie, eat the pie, thank you very much, go back to work. If I'm not of that, what pie shop are you talking about, Chris? Chris is eating these pies and we're like... Where is this place? I went and had a look, but I couldn't see it. He's trying to explain it the best he can in English, but I'm not hearing it because he's not speaking in English. He's speaking in a spiritual word. I wish, I really wish there was a language in the natural for the spirit because then none of you, meaning myself, would try to understand in the mind. If I went ba 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 boom what did I say? See, you can't use your mind, can you? So you're, we're, 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 we're stuffed. That's what it is in the spirit. So I'm speaking that language. So you're never going to get that there, just like that's the physical example. But it's deliberately concealed like that, right? You know, like it's, That's what he says. You know, it's, is it, um, Jesus says that this is a, a fantastic plan, Father, that he would conceal it that's from right. the wise and the learned. Yeah. And reveal it to little children, you know. Yeah. But I was, was going to say, 
but but there's such a there's such a dynamic with that, right? You know, and that to me, like the, I feel like he's he's so faithful to meet us where we're at, like like you're saying, and I just makes me think of um, Paul and and Timothy, you know, and um, you know Paul has been preaching about how circumcision actually isn't a thing anymore. It's not about the physical circumcision; it's about the circumcision of the heart. But then he knows that Timothy's about to go and minister to these Jews who would reject him because he's not circumcised before he even has an opportunity to hear the spiritual word that he has to bring. And so he says to Timothy, hey, I know that you don't need to get circumcised for you, but you actually need to get circumcised for them. And so... That's love. That is love, you know? (laughs) And so he's doing... (laughs) You know... But he's, and to me, like, that is love. You know, he's doing everything that he can physically, literally, his own physical body is being put on the line for the sake not of himself, but of the people that he's ministering to. And I feel like what, what, what you guys are sharing, you know, in terms of painting these pictures and these typologies, it's all creating the best possible opportunity for people to hear, you know. And I feel like sometimes, you know, you can share a typology and people are like, yes, I'm with you, I get it. And then you bring the spiritual application, you know, and it's like you win them over and they're 100% on board, and it's like, oh, that's actually, this is what this means. And it's like, oh, I agree with this, so I feel like I have to agree with this. But even if you are so absolutely and totally convinced there's still a supernatural transaction that has to take place where you go from hearing physically and agreeing with the typology and being there and being in agreement to yes, 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 and then... There still needs to be this transition between I agree, that's what you were saying before, Chris, you know, with the, the physical typology, to a, I've actually received the supernatural word, the mana. And that to me, it's, it's why it's hidden mana, eh? You know, and it's those who have ears to hear and have the humility of heart to receive the spiritual word will. So there's a responsibility for the hearer, but there's also a responsibility for the speaker. And I feel like that's what we're talking about. You know, love looks like being able to create the best possible opportunity, but actually there's still a responsibility for those who are receiving to be of humility of heart to be able to receive the spiritual mana that comes from the one sharing. Which is why we need the blood. Because if you understand that everything's concealed from the beginning of time, outside of our capacity. So we're not born into the spirit, we're born into the flesh, kingdom of darkness. Every single thing, God and everything in God, is concealed from us. When you're born, you're not born into that, you're born out of that. So the blood has to take you from darkness to light. Everything is unseen to you and me. We have no reference for anything spiritual. You tracking? Just because you're raised in a Christian home doesn't mean you're not living from darkness. See, my kids, just because I'm what I am and the revelation I carry and I speak to them doesn't mean they're understanding or in the life I'm in. Until they are an un- I'm an unseen one to them. I speak from an unseen place, but they can still see words in here and think they know it. See, this is the challenge. Jesus is the unseen one. The entire realm is concealed from us, even though the unseen one came and stood amongst everybody. Here and here is unseen. 
So when he speaks, he speaks from, it's concealed from you. And then I watch to see, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to a reality that's concealed from you but for you? And then he watches because he's going to love you unto death of yourself. So then the word is to create repentance. So Sarah realizes, I can't grasp any of this until I actually lose my life. And this word is threatening my life, so I must surrender to it. Not fight against it, deny it, reject it, walk away from it. So they walked away from life. They walked away from the blood. Do you think they knew they were doing that? No, they blamed him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not the Messiah. It's right. He's committing blasphemy. No, he wasn't. He was the son of God. You're the fool, not the Messiah. And we have to see this because it's all concealed from us but for us and only the Spirit can open it up. So we have to start at the right beginning. If your beginning wasn't in the Spirit, it needs to get back to that place. So when Jesus said, come follow me, he was concealed from them for three and a half years. This is why they can't hear him when he's speaking because they're not in the Spirit yet. Now the beauty is the Father reveals to Peter. Spirit reveals to man. So he has an inkling, but their lives for three and a half years are the evidence of trying to understand in the mind what the one who is of the heart, the unseen, is saying. (laughs) We're still on the journey. Yeah, okay. And so the entire thing is concealed from you, but for you to test you. And that those, God knows, those that want and want to go after will find a life in him for now and the future and will be faithful to the covenant as he is faithful and will receive all because you actually realize you are made aware of. But unless we have lost our life, so when I talk about the will, I'm not talking about what you live for. I'm talking about the operating system of you. Okay? how you think, how you hear. Are you still the control system of you? Have you come to the end of that realizing that that's a broken control system that's great in the world but not in the kingdom? You see, this is the challenge because you you can actually apply that in the world and get life out of it because it's the operating system of the world. But it's not the operating system in the kingdom. So you you need to know that God can speak to you from the spiritual kingdom in the dark world. okay. But you can also learn from the world and come into life and knowledge, but it's not eternal life, it's food that perishes. So it's not going to do you any good in spiritual life. Tracking with me? Right. So you can flip between the two, and you need to know when to apply that and when to apply that. But if you're trying to apply that here, you're in trouble. It's not the way, because that's ultimately man learning coming to his own glory look at me 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 this is the opposite this is look at god look at god look at god look at god okay and so it's all concealed for a purpose who will seek me to find me 
And those that find me and continue to come into me, we've got a celebration going on in the future, but now. So when you realize this, when you realize that God is looking for his set-apart people out of the church, is it not a remnant out of Israel? Okay. Well, God is going to marry a remnant out of Israel and a remnant out of the Gentile. He's going to marry people that love him with all. Not a half, not 90, not a quarter, not people that say who couldn't keep it because they still live from their operating system. He's going to marry people who demonstrate love because that's the evidence that you are in Christ. Well done. With me, my spirit, my son, one another, you worked it out. You worked out what was concealed, not because you tried through your own way, but you came into my way, the son. Well done. You were a mature people. You demonstrated in your lifetime me. Here we go. Come into the chamber. Knock, knock. Who are you? The foolish ones. That all you knew was the blood. All you knew was atonement. All you did with it was, yeah, I washed you, but you didn't learn, grow. You're foolish. You're not wise. And we've got one shot. And this is what hurts because we have realized all our strength and all our ability is futile. In God, it's God given, but unless God defines it, you are. So the very thing you're given is becomes your nemesis. Abraham had to be Isaac had to lay his son down, so the son didn't become the idol in his heart. So everything's in God of God, but unless it's in the order of God, the way of God, it's going to control you and choke you to death. And it will in, disempower you to live. So if I love my wife more than him, and he says the commandment is to love me, Greg, with all your heart, that's, that's a divided heart, isn't it? So if the commandment is love with all, and I only love with half, I'm probably going to get the fruit of the half. Is that right? That's why he's telling us. So in the blood comes the life to be able to fulfill the law. All the word law means is instruction. Don't think negative if you hear law. It's just instruction. So the new law is love the Lord your God with all you are and love people. There's the new law. The law of Christ is love. You fulfilled the law of Christ because Christ fulfilled the law. Well, I can't in my humanity. I can't if I'm trying to come into that through my brain. I can't. And I realize that. I tried. I tried. That's why I didn't want to be a Christian. You know, it's like you, you come to the end of this reality, you die. And you get filled with a blood transfusion. And now you can. Not because you're trying, you're just being. And that is where it's won or lost. It really is, guys. 
Godliness, former godliness, is one there. Because you can lay hands on the sick and still not be able to love. You can see dead people raised and not deny yourself. I've wrestled for years. I said, God, why? Because that, that hoodwinks us. That leads us to think we're in it all because we can see signs and wonders. I can't do that. And he said, because of what I'm looking for. I've given you all because I know those that truly love me will figure it out with me. And those that don't, won't. It's because of who I'm looking for. I've designed it that way. I've designed it so there can be division. I've designed it so you cannot find me and, and be, you, you can be your own idol. I've designed it in a way that has all these elements because at the end of it, what I'm looking for, it has to have that design. Like why does he put a couple together and go oneness and yet it can create division? Correct? Because he knows in the ironing, sharpening the iron, if both people do it the way of the Spirit, you'll get oneness. So the design is set up in a way that can create division. It's not his heart. It only creates division if you live from your flesh. If you die, then the order is life and spirit. If you live, so he gives us everything we need for life and godliness. 1 Peter 2. The power is given. He steps back. He sends the spirit. He says, get to know my spirit, otherwise none of this is going to be reality. And he watches it unfold. It's an incredible plan. But it can only be come into through the spirit, through the blood. I overcome through the power of the blood. Not just my sin, broke the power of sin. And then the blood propels me into the kingdom. Seeing ten dimensional, seeing the city. I've seen it. Have you seen it? Nah. That's cool. That's cool. Just be real. Ask him to show you the city. It's beautiful. She's beautiful. It's us. And then when you see it, you can live as if it's now. It shapes your identity. It shapes who you are. It's like, I'm free. Why? Because I tried to get free? No, because I've got revelation of a promise, and the promise has the presence, and the presence has the power, and the power just come into me, and now I'm free. And now I live in accordance to what I'm looking at, not what I was looking at. Certainly, if they hadn't seen the city, they had reason to go back to the place that was so good apparently, but not. Why did they not go back? Because they're moving forward. Because they don't shrink back. Because we press on to what we're looking at. Once again, we're going to unpack this. But we've been unpacking it, guys. But see, the mind has to be broken. That operating system has to be broken. And then the spirit renews the mind. And that's where the life is in the mind. So please hear me. I'm not saying the mind isn't important. It is 
but it's not your first place of learning. And if it is, it has to be broken. Cool. All right. Is that us for the night? <laughs> Let's pray and then we'll, then we'll finish up. Father, I thank you for what it is that you've been speaking this evening. Father, I pray that as your word goes out, it would find its home in soft soil and bear much fruit. Um, Father, I thank you that you're so, um, your heart so beats to birth revelation within us. And I pray that we would be found as these people who seek you. Father, who posture ourselves physically and in our time, Father, but also in the humility of our heart to hear and receive from you. Father, I thank you that you're looking for us to be found as those people who, who diligently seek, Father, who lay hold of, who enter into, Father, who receive the fullness of life that's on offer in you. Father, I pray that as we're walking with one another, we would create every opportunity for each other to enter into this as well. Um, not being the blind that lead the blind, Father, but being those who say, I'm going to be the first to seek, um, Father, and to receive revelation, then being able to share, um, Father, to testify of what it is that you've done in us and to be able to create opportunities for others. Um, so, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you are Emmanuel, God, with us, that you came to us, um, Father, and that we have the opportunity to be involved, to walk with one another, and to share and testify of what it is that you're doing in us and through us. Um, so thank you for this evening. Thank you for what's been shared. Um, just, we, we love you and, and appreciate you. In Jesus' name, amen.